When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyFMDFM Show. And, of course, always live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Subscribe when you get the chance to do so. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. It's Monday night, which that means we're going to be recapping the early window of games on Sunday from week 11. That's right, week 11. We're about to head into week 12. And the crazy thing about this week in particular is the amount of quick turns we're going to have because we have Thanksgiving Day coming up this Thursday. Happy holidays, everybody out there. We're going to see you a few more times before that. we got three games, six teams on Thursday, making some of these injuries a little bit interesting. We're going to go through all of that and, of course, a lot more today, what we have to take out of each one of these matchups moving forward, trends I have my eyes on, and things to maybe ignore or don't overreact to at the very least. Always check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, especially with Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving week, a lot of traveling going on. What better way to pass the time and to get ready for your fantasy football teams with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I know I would always greatly appreciate it. 
And by the way, because a lot a lot of shows out there are going to be altering their schedules for this week with the holiday. I am not. We are. I'm here tonight. I'm going to be here Tuesday morning, like I always am, with the primetime recaps and the waiver wire report. We'll be back Wednesday night with the Thanksgiving Day preview and the early slate of Week 12. I'll be there with Chris Dauhauer. We're also going to have Chaz Florida come on that show. Usually he doesn't come on with us on Wednesday nights. It's usually on Friday nights. But I wanted him to come on because I want to get us an exclusive expert to bet with on Thanksgiving Day. Because what's better than kicking back, opening up your pants, eating some more turkey, and winning some money while you're at it? Hey, it's a holiday. You're not working. But you can still win some money. And that's what we're going to try to do for you guys on Wednesday night. So I am going to have Chaz Florida come on for a little bit during the Wednesday night show. I will be back Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. I'm coming right back. I'm going to recap the Thanksgiving Day games and then go preview the late slate of Week 12. And then Friday's our normal show. Friday's going to be the MD's DFS contest. We did have a new winner that did beat the host from last week. We'll announce that winner on the show. And this week upcoming will be the last week for the November giveaway of a championship football and championshipfootballs.com, or last week to become eligible for it. First of December, we'll announce the winner then. But yeah, so we're going to have a full regular schedule for you guys. That's right. Holidays, no holidays. I'm going to make sure you guys have content on your holiday drives. Speaking of holidays, one of these teams are going to be playing on Thursday, and that's the Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs. We'll dive right into that game. It was the game of the week. It was the game everybody was hoping for. It was the over-under at 56 and a half. And we were all sorely, sorely disappointed. As far as from a fantasy perspective, anyway, Chiefs fans, you were happy. Dallas fans, you got to be scratching your heads. So let's dive on the Dallas side of things real quick because CeeDee Lamb picks up the concussion injury. Now, we thought for sure right away, there's no way he's going to get clear from concussion protocol on a Thursday, and it's still a long shot. Let's be clear here. But Mike McCarthy at least did open up the window of hope today by saying CeeDee Lamb woke up today, was actually feeling quite well. And as a result of that, they're actually a little bit hopeful that he may be able to go by Thursday. Now, I wouldn't count on it. If I'm a CeeDee Lamb owner, and I am a few of my leagues, I'm already making other plans. And I'll talk about some of those plans when we go over the waiver wire report in tomorrow morning's show. Make sure you tune back on social media at Billy FMDFF show. And of course on the YouTube channel or your favorite pod streaming app after the show. But I'm going to have other plans besides CD Lamb. So just kind of keep that in mind. Now, without CD Lamb, you would suspect that, you know, no Cooper, no Lamb. Well, Michael Gallup must have been the number one receiver. And he was from a target standpoint. He had 10 targets in this game. You like to see that. It only turned into five receptions for 44 yards. Dalton Schultz was actually the leading receiver as far as catches and yards go. He had six catches, 53 yards on eight targets. Also not surprising when he had the other two receivers down. You know Dalton Schultz is going to be heavily involved at that point. Look, the big problem for Dallas's offense, well, really it was two things. Dak being very inaccurate. He was under pressure a lot that day. And as a result of that, he kind of got happy feet, never really settled down, didn't really get his fundamentals, didn't get his footwork right, and a lot of balls were sailing on him, wildly inaccurate, and that's a big reason why the Dallas Cowboy offense struggled. But the reason why Dak was under so much pressure and getting sacked so much and getting to that point was because Tyrone Smith did not play. Tyrone Smith is actually expected to be back on Thanksgiving. 
that's the good news as far as your Dallas output. When you're talking about Dak this week, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, all guys that are going to pretty much be must plays. And we'll get to Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott in a second. It's amazing what a Pro Bowl left tackle can just do for an offense, how much he can have an impact on this game. Dak is a different quarterback when Smith is playing left tackle. So I think Thanksgiving Day, there's a really good chance here. You're going to see Dak bounce back just like he did last week. Remember, two weeks ago, he had a dud of a game coming off the calf injury. And then last week, he had a great game. But then against the Chiefs here yesterday, not so much. I expect them to bounce back this upcoming week. I believe they play Washington off the top of my head on Thanksgiving Day. I think they'll bounce back in a big way then. For now, though, you were hurt by this game. Only 216 yards, didn't have a passing touchdown, had the two picks. Abysmal, I know, but I'm playing him next week. And that's why I wanted to make sure I made that very, very clear. With Tyrone Smith being back, it should be a different quarterback in Dak. It should be a different offense in Dallas. So I'm excited about Michael Gallup moving forward, obviously, with the target share. And even if CeeDee Lamb's back with no more Cooper, he's still going to be the second targeted guy. And because Cooper's out of the equation, Dalton Schultz can continue to be at least the third most targeted pass catcher, if not the second guy, depending upon who's healthy and who's not. So Dalton Schultz is going to probably be a top 10 play heading next week as well. We'll talk about more of that when we get into the preview show. But my point is, don't overreact to the Dallas guys you've been leaning on, including the running backs, by the way. Now, I know to the eye test last night, Ezekiel Elliott was just looked not himself and looked half of what Tony Pollard did. Tony Pollard is a very highly explosive player. He's not the big bodied guy that Zeke is. And I feel like we're starting to have this conversation over and over and over again that we had at the beginning of the season, which was, oh, if you had Zeke Elliott, you need to be worried because Tony Pollard might take his job away. And then what happened? Oh, that's right. Zeke went on this big run and reestablished himself as an RB1. Tony Pollard's just there to mix in. Well, guess what? Zeke's not healthy right now. That knee's banged up. And he's trying to force his way through. And as long as he's out there, you have to play him in your lineups. But Tony Pollard will creep back into that flex territory because he'll just be a little bit more involved as far as the touches are concerned. Now, in this game, Zeke went for nine carries. Pollard went for seven. Again, game script here. Dallas, A, didn't have the ball very much on offense. But B, when they did... They weren't trying to run it. They didn't really try to establish the run like the way they should have. Pollard, of course, was the better runner on the day. Seven, his seven carries went for 50 yards, while Ezekiel Elliott had nine carries for 32 yards. What you get encouraged by is that even with the banged-up knee, Zeke still played double the amount of snaps that Tony Pollard did and walked away with six receptions for 36 yards on six targets. He was still the lead pass catcher despite all that. Tony Pollard only had two catches for 20 yards and two targets. So look, will Pollard be on my desperate flex radar next week? Probably. But you play Zeke. And I'm not worried about Pollard limiting Zeke. The only thing I'm worried about limiting Zeke right now, exactly where is that knee injury at? That's what I'm worried about limiting Zeke. But otherwise, you play him. You don't worry about him. I'm not really worried about Dallas players in general here. We'll see exactly who's healthy moving forward. Flip things over to the side of the Chiefs side of the ball. So everybody's asking the question today, okay, what happened? You guys look great against the Raiders. We thought maybe you turned the switch around. This Dallas defense, while better, is still not elite. Doesn't take away the big play, generally speaking. And you only put up 19 points against Dallas. Well, look, part of this is just, this was just one of those games. All right, this was one of those games where two high-powered offenses coming in with a big over-under, flat out just didn't perform. Just didn't perform up the expectations. That happens sometimes in the NFL. 
So I'm not going to read too much into this. As far as what I break down on tape and saw on tape, because the, the big thing I was looking for, did you go back to your arid ways before of why the offense was struggling? And for Mahomes' sake, no. Mahomes still try, he's, he was still not trying to win the game on every single throw, which is good. So he was still sticking with that. He was still taking what the defense was giving him, which they were playing back a lot more. He was, he was having to go short. He took it. He didn't try to force the issue overly. Did have one pick in that game, but for the most part, wasn't overly trying to force the issue. The problem was, and this is where they did revert back in some ways offensively to what their issues were leading up to until they play the Raiders game. The play calling went back to being stupid and vanilla. That That's what happened in this game. Andy Reid went back to, we're not scheming specially for Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and lining them up and utilizing different ways to get them open. They went back to, we're lining you up and you run your pattern and that's that. That can't happen in this offense. Not If they had a third true pass catcher, maybe. Maybe they could get away with it again. But they don't. You, as great as they are, for this offense to flow correctly, they have to be lining up and getting schemed open all over the field throughout the entire game. The play calling went sour again in this game. Obviously, you're not worried about... I'm not worried about Mahomes. I get it. It's been very frustrating from a fantasy perspective. But he himself, to me didn't go back to having happy feet, didn't go back to trying to hit home runs all the time. As long as he keeps the keeps it simple, stupid, basically, I'm not going to worry about Mahomes. I think better days are ahead. I'm not obviously not worried about Tyree Kill, nine catches, 77 yards, and 11 targets. Travis Kelsey, five receptions, 74 on eight targets, plus the rushing touchdown. Hill actually had 33 yards rushing as well on a nice big play. You're fine with them. So now we have to get into what's really on everybody's mind moving forward. What do you take out of this game? Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he comes back. And a lot of different conflicting reports that we were getting. Was he going to start? How involved was he going to be? How much was he going to play? You had you had some reports saying he was going to start and be the main guy. You had other reports saying that he wasn't going to play very much. He was, was going to be active, get his feet wet, but they weren't going to push him right before the bye week, which I thought was a plausible situation, but that's not what happened here. Now, snap-wise, Darrell Williams played more. But touches, it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire all day long. 12 carries, 63 yards, actually gets the rushing touchdown in a red zone situation. Now, it wasn't up the middle, or it wasn't up the A-gap or anything like that. He didn't power his way through. It was on a flip, on kind of a read-option flip by Patrick Mahomes, and that's what wound up getting him across the goal line. But still, he was in on that situation. I think if you're Clyde Edwards-Alaire owner, one of the things I have been worried about is that I didn't think he was going to get that role back because Darrell Williams had already started to take that role before he got injured. But he was in there in that situation. So you like that at the very least. But still, not really that involved in the passing game. Only two receptions, two targets, 13 yards. Darrell Williams ran more routes. He had one extra target. But I don't think this game was a true reflection of what we're going to see between these two. I think this is a committee. I think it's a committee moving forward between these two guys. And Darrell Williams, I think, will be more involved from a touch standpoint than we saw in this game. Now, they go to bye this week, so which is probably a good thing. We need the Chiefs, especially the coaching staff, to get back at it. Get some time, recollect, go on, get ready to go on a second-half run here. But ultimately, you're sticking to your guns and your guys. You're just hoping the play calling gets better. That's it. That's all. 
So let's move on. Let's talk about Arizona Seattle here. And we got we to gotta start on the bad side here. We got to start on the Seattle Seahawks side because this thing's getting atrocious. How in the world, in a game in which you were trailing the entire game, the entire, at no point were you ahead or even even, how in the world does Russell Wilson in that situation only throw the ball for 26 times? You can make all the excuses you want. Arizona dominated time of possession. That's fine. This just goes back to Seattle has to get more up-tempo. You cannot stay at this pathetic pace. This team needs a spark. This offense especially needs a spark. And whether it's Pete Carroll, the offense coordinator, whatever's going on here, somebody is not allowing them to actually play 21st century offensive football. They're not allowing it to happen. Your team is lethargic. There's no urgency on the offensive side of the ball. And as a result, you get the slow tempo. I don't know how else you think you're going to get a spark. The running game is not going to be there. Alex Collins is a player. He's just a guy. Even Rashad Penny hadn't picked up a hamstring injury in this one. He's just a guy. It's time to just let Russell Wilson go to work. Now, he wasn't great in this game. He wasn't great last week. He's not, he's not being Russell Wilson himself this year either. But I think it might help if they go a little bit more up-tempo, keep the defense a little bit more vanilla, keep them on the field a little bit longer, and just show some urgency. And I know that's more of a, an NFL standpoint, but that affects the fantasy output here because when you have games like this and you still have 26 pass attempts, what can you expect guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to do? Now, at least Tyler Lockett came through. Right? You had the four receptions, 115 yards, five targets. Very, very efficient day and good thing. The only thing he didn't do is score. DK Metcalf, you like the eight targets, but the four receptions, 31 yards, always seemingly getting thrown bombs when he's double covered and still almost making plays on the ball, but always in the toughest of situations. Look, Wilson's not good right now, as I've said. Only a little bit over 50% completion percentage here. But if they don't just figure out, you just got to throw some urgency out there on offense, I don't know that this gets better throughout the course of the thing. I think you still have to keep playing DK Metcalf. You still have to play Tyler Lockett because at least the target consolidation is around those two. Plus, you know, sprinkle in Jalen Everett here. Only had three catches for 37 yards and four targets, but the only other guy who was actually targeted a significant amount. So I think you have to keep playing them. But Russell Wilson, until I see this offense change, until Russell Wilson suddenly looks comfortable throwing the football again, I don't think you could play Russell Wilson. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, because he's playing better, and what I see on tape, I'm not worried about him. I am petrified that Russell Wilson continues to give you this dud game after dud game and give you these outside top 12 performances and winds up sinking your team on a playoff run because you're getting single-digit points out of your quarterback every single week. I'm petrified of that. He's not running this year, so you're not getting that base floor out of him either. So if they don't go up-tempo soon on offense, I don't think you can continue to play Russell Wilson. And in fact, I'm probably going to look to make sure he's staying outside of my top 12 until he proves me otherwise. And hopefully that's sooner rather than later because there's a lot of fancy implications on this offense even still. But it can't keep going down that path. It can't keep throwing them out there. So I would, I'm would i not dropping Russell Wilson. 
because it, it the, that that light switch it can flip at any moment. But I'm not starting him. I'm looking for other options. As far as a running game goes, like I don't think the Seattle running game is of note. I really don't. But like I said, Rashad Penny picks up the hamstring injury. They say it's minor. The expectation, I think, going into the game, at least from the beat writer standpoint, was that he was supposed to be heavily involved. I don't know what heavily involved means in the Seattle offense. It never runs a lot of plays anyway, but that's what they quote-unquote set. Alex Collins just gets his 10 carries again. This seems to be his max. Whether he's a lead guy, whether Penny's there, it doesn't seem to matter. He gets 10 carries for 36 yards. DJ Dallas actually played the same amount of snaps as Alex Collins in this game. He's the one who walks away with the rushing touchdown, by the way. Four carries, 25 yards in the rush. Working more as the pass catching back, although it only equaled to the two targets, a catch, two yards. I think you have to own Alex Collins for now, especially if Rashad Penny's going to miss some time because he's a starting running back. But other than being a desperate, low-end RB3, I don't know how much value he's giving you. I'm just not going to put a starting running back in the NFL on the waiver wire. That's the only thing keeping me from just hitting the dump button out on him outright. But you're only playing him if you absolutely have no other options. Now, some things over the Arizona side of the ball. Kyler Murray, they decided, you know what? We're still going to be in first place whether we lose this game or not. We have a bye week next week. The Arizona Cardinals, that is. Kyler Murray, we're just going to play it safe with you. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Colt McCoy is a fine backup. He He's good enough to get the job done. And he was actually... <laughs> if you actually had the cojones or, you know, we're stuck in a situation where you're expecting Kyler Murray to play and had nowhere else to turn to other than to play Colt McCoy at that point, uh, it paid off fantasy-wise. 35 of 44, 328 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Colt McCoy was fantastic, believe it or not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. James Conner did his James Conner thing, inefficient on the ground, about three yards a carry, 21 of 62, but <laughs> finds the end zone. I, I think well, there's, what, been two games this year that James Conner has not scored a touchdown? It's insane. And then, of course, the tack on gives you five receptions for 37 yards and six targets. Now, Chase Evans, just FYI, is eligible to come off the IR when they come back from their bye week, so week 13. Now, we'll see if he actually does or not. The expectation, though, when he went on the IR is that he would be 100% healthy, ready to go when he was eligible to come off. So we'll see exactly what happens there. Because James Conner has still been very inefficient as a runner, I still believe they're going to go back to the same split that they were, where Chase Edmonds was about even, maybe a little bit more in carries, and was also, you know, the more utilized running back in the passing game. And James Conner sticks to his complimentary, I get all the touchdowns in a red zone role. I do think it goes back to what we saw before. I know Conner, fantasy-wise, has been fantastic, so that's why people are asking the question, why doesn't he just be the workhorse back? Maybe Chase Edmonds takes less of a role when he comes back. He hasn't actually been that efficient as an NFL runner. And that's what I think holds him back from actually just becoming the workhorse guy. And I think they want to, I think the Arizona Cardinals generally want to come out of that bye week hitting on all cylinders going that second half stretch. They're still in a dogfight with the Green Bay Packers to get that number one seed. And when they come back, you figure they should have Kyler Murray, they should have Chase Evans, and maybe 
DeAndre Hopkins at that point and start firing all cylinders at the right time. So I think there's a real chance that that winds up happening. If you have Chase Evans, keep holding him. I think he's going to be very valuable to you down the stretch, especially if you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. Now, as far as this game is concerned, Zach Ertz got the, you know, he got the racket up. Eight catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns, nine targets in this game. He's a top 10 tight end every single week. Now, this week, of course, he was even more valuable than that, but I'm not expecting these kind of gaudy stat lines every week. But he is a sure-fire target every single week. Great tight end. The question becomes the wide receivers. Now, here's the thing. If you if you watch this game, or if you didn't, I should say, if you did watch this game and you're just looking at the box score, this is where you need to dig a little bit deeper. Pay attention to the usage here. Because what you're going to see is you're going to see Rondell Moore had 11, 11 receptions for 51 yards on 11 targets. But he still had the fourth most snaps at the wide receiver position, the fourth most routes run. Colt McCoy just happened to check it down to him you know, a third of the time that he was actually on the field. It was still Antoine Wesley. It was still A.J. Green. It was still Christian Kirk that were by far the top three receivers as far as playing time goes. So this was more of an aberration rather than the start of a possible trend for Rondale Moore. I just don't want people to get swept up thinking that they could pick up Rondale Moore while he's on a bye week and that they have a a second-half explosive receiver on their hands because you don't. It's unfortunate. I want it to happen. It's not going to happen until 2022. It's just not. In the meantime, Antoine Wesley, A.J. Green, four receptions each. Green going for 78 yards. Wesley going for 44 yards. Christian Kirk had the very disappointing game here. Two receptions, 25 yards. But I maintain that outside of DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk's the guy you want to own. He's still the one who gets to operate in the slot no matter what's going on on the field, no matter who's available on the field. So that's number one. And typically speaking, he's been the best receiver when Hopkins has been absent because he can hit the big plays that A.J. Green can't. He's more involved than Rondale Moore is. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. There's nothing else to break down with the Cardinals here, and we're not going to talk about them for another couple of weeks anyway. So now let's dive into Cincinnati and the Raiders, the Bengals, taking care of business on the road, and the Raiders are imploding right now the same way they imploded last year. Derek Carr, 19 of 27, 215 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He just has not been the same quarterback since Henry Ruggs. Just hasn't been. And for whatever reason, whether it's not being up to snuff with the offense or afraid to play him overly an overly amount, Deshaun Jackson just still isn't playing enough. He only had 16 snaps in this game. The top three receivers are still Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, and Hunter Renfro. And at this point, look, Brian Edwards is just out there 
to be a big body blocker. All right. I know people are thinking, oh, maybe he turned the trend because he had that one game where he had three catches and he had a big statistical stat line off those three receptions. I kept pointing out he only had four targets, and that was the most he had seen pretty much all season long. He can play all the snaps in the world. He's not part of the actual offense. Not from a fantasy standpoint, anyway. Why Deshaun Jackson still to this point has not overtaken Zay Jones, I don't know. But until they're able to reestablish a deep threat, Derek Carr is struggling. There's no other way around it. And I think it's going to be a while before we can get him back to streaming territory. But in the meantime, it's affecting the entire Raider offense. Darren Waller, though, while he's been a bit disappointing for what your expectations were, has a really nice game here. Seven receptions, eight targets, 116 yards. These are the type of Darren Waller numbers you want to see and a big reason why you have to stick with him at tight end and you have to always play him. Don't get wrapped up because he's not you know, on the Travis Kelsey level that you were hoping he would be when you drafted him. Continue to play him. Because these stat lines... This is more what you would expect out of a Darren Waller. And look, if the Raiders are going to continue implode, they're going to be in more negative game scripts. Should be more volume for everybody else, especially Darren Waller as a safety blanket. Speaking of safety blankets, Hunter Renfro, four receptions, 30 yards, four targets. He didn't get his normal volume that we had seen him get over the past couple of weeks. I still maintain, though, that he's a high floor of wide receiver three most weeks that you can kind of plug and play in and just know, you know, you're not going to get dudded out. You know that he's going to at least show up in some kind of way. And if he has one of his normal games where he's getting nine targets and seven receptions and maybe scores a touchdown, you get a really nice performance out of your wide receiver three. But I'm not worried about Hunter Renfro moving forward. Now let's talk about the running backs. Josh Jacobs, Kenny and Drake, a lot of people panicking on Josh Jacobs, disappointed with Josh Jacobs. And look, the stat line wasn't great here, but I still maintain, and I know we're entering week 12, so I think this is about the week most leagues are having their trade deadlines. Maybe the trade deadline isn't until Tuesday night, right before waivers clear, whatever whatever setup your league may have. Check it out. I mean, some leagues, they might push it to week 13 with the extra regular season game. I don't know. Make sure you check that on your own leagues. But let's assume you're in a league where your trade deadline hasn't quite hit yet. I still maintain Josh Jacobs is a buy-low candidate. The reason being is that he's getting involved in the passing game. He had seven targets in this game. He's had five targets each of the last three games previous. Yes, it was five receptions for 24 yards. Yes, he only had nine carries for 37 yards, and he didn't have a touchdown in this game. But more times than not, if you're going to get that kind of volume in the passing game, along with knowing what he can do as far as a rusher goes. We know the touchdowns will come. There should be some positive regression in his future. Then that's the that's where you got to go. He's going to have a nice floor. This is a guy who might pop in your playoff races. And I think, I think, you could probably get him 50, 50% on the dollar right now. Because he's been so disappointing. So he's a perfect buy-low candidate if your trade deadlines have not passed yet because I actually like the floor with the passing that he has been getting. Yes, Kenyon Drake had five carries to Josh Jacobs' nine in this game, but only had two targets for one reception. I only care about what Kenyon Drake does in the passing game. The rushing game, I don't care. And the reason being is because I know he's not going to steal the touchdowns unless he has a big play. Still only played half 
of Josh Jacobs' snaps in this game. Not worried about Kenny and Drake. I actually like Josh Jacobs moving forward. Let's flip it over now to Cincinnati. Came out of the bye, came out of the bye strong. It was the Joe Mixon show, though. It wasn't the Joe Burrow show, it was the Joe Mixon show. So Burrow, a little bit disappointed from a fantasy perspective. Only threw the ball 29 times, completed 20, but only 148 yards and a touchdown. But that was it. Better days are ahead for Burrow. This offense is too good, too explosive for him to not be, you know, getting his 250 yards, two touchdowns plus on average, more times than not moving forward. He maintains a low in QB1. He'll probably always hover between that 9 and 12 range for me any given week as far as quarterbacks are concerned. So I'm not worried about Burrow. Mixon was awesome. 30 carries in this game, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Besides the gaudy stat line, the other thing you got to be really happy about is that from the eye test, he looks very explosive, very healthy at the moment, which is always a big thing with Joe Mixon, especially when it comes to his ankles. He looked very explosive in that game, very physical in that game. Now, I know a lot of people have been pointing out he didn't get a target. Well, again, I go back to Burrow only threw the ball 29 times, first and foremost. And Samaja Perrine had three targets. Three catches and 18 yards on those three targets, but he had three targets. Yes, he's a little bit of a hindrance when it comes to the overall passing game of Joe Mixon, but I guarantee you if this was a negative game script, Mixon would have been involved in the passing game to at least some degree. So I don't know why people are getting too bad out of shape like Joe Mixon's going to be game script dependent because he's not. He's not. He's an RB1. Don't overthink it. He had 53 snaps to Samaje Perrine's 11. He's always the lead guy. Jamar Chase finds a way to get in the end zone. Three catches, 32 yards, a touchdown, six targets. If that's a floor, you got to love it. Tyler Boyd was actually pretty heavily involved this week. Eight targets, six receptions, 49 yards. I think that's actually the first time he's been the lead targeted receiver when Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both on the field. I think that's the first time that's happened, which is why I maintain I still don't care about him fantasy-wise. Just doesn't move the needle at all, one one direction or another. Is he worth owning because of the offense? Maybe. But at no point am I going to want to play this guy in typical 12-man leagues. The guy that was disappointing was T. Higgins. Now, I wasn't the only one, but I was also hyping up T. Higgins as a guy that this week, coming off the bye, made a lot of sense for a breakout week. In fact, I put him on my DFS team. He was getting all these targets, seven to eight targets every single game. We know he has the big play capability. It just made sense that it was coming. Now, we're expecting the game script that this game wound up being, and that's part of it. But still, two catches, 15 yards on three targets. That's not the performance that you're looking for coming out the jump. It's just not. Better days are ahead, though. T. Higgins maintains a wide receiver three with upside potential. This doesn't change that. Again, the Bengals will be in more neutral game scripts moving forward. They got a tough schedule coming up, but I don't really mind that from a fantasy standpoint because that means more volume. Let's talk about the Dolphins and the Jets. Let's get into this matchup. This divisional, crappy rival matchup. <laughs> Dolphins take care of business. 24-17. We expected them to win. I do believe the Jets covered the line, though. Now, on the Dolphins side of things, let's talk about Miles Gaskin. 23 carries, 89 yards. He's He's been under that four yards 
a carry mark lately. Unlike him. I mean, this is a guy who's like, he always finds a way to get five yards of carry. It's not happening as of late. But you got to love the volume. You got to love the volume. And you got to love what they did in this game. It was Patrick Lard, and they brought Duke Johnson off the practice squad. Savant Ahmed was essentially a healthy inactive. Now, I know Malcolm Brown, I believe, can be eligible to return next week. We'll see if that actually happens or not. We'll see if that actually happens or not. Because they seem like they are at least now comfortable with the idea of handing off this volume to a Miles Gaskin. At least comfortable with it. Maybe not great, but comfortable with it. So in Gaskin's case here, he becomes a low in RB2 because he's got the safe floor because he's getting all this volume. Now, where you're a little bit disappointed at, he's not getting involved in the passing game. Patrick Lara was out there a lot, especially for blocking purposes. Duke Johnson got a little bit involved, not a lot, but that, that might tick up. And one of Gaskin's best traits, of course, is receiving game. Now, I know in this game he had the receiving touchdown, but outside of that, it three catches, seven yards, leaves a little bit to be desired but you'll take the overall volume any day of the week. And if he's going to get this kind of volume, when you have these kind of matchups, you know you can lock in Miles Gaskin as an RB2. So finally trending in the right direction when it comes to the running back situation. Tua was okay in this game. He still looks a little uncomfortable throwing that ball. He still looks like he's not quite 100% with the finger. But he put together an efficient day. 27-33, 273 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Your usual suspects were involved. Jalen Waddle, eight catches, 65 yards. Mike Isicki, six targets, five catches, 50 yards. And with these guys, it's going to continue to happen this way. They'll always be the lead targeted guys. But Devontae Parker is on his way back. So is Will Fuller from what we're hearing. But I, I'm a little bit more on Devontae Parker. What does that mean? Well, if Parker comes back, Mike Isicki has consistently been the victim of losing out on the passing volume when there's a second wide receiver that Tua will just tend to go to before he goes to Mike Isicki. When both come back, the only right I'm going to feel safe about would be Jalen Waddle because he has to play the slot and he's been the number one target all year long for this team. It's going to be kind of a crapshoot, depending on what's going on. Now, Will Fuller probably have to work his way back, and he's really never been able to get going in all of this new offense anyway. But Parker would be the next guy I want to own. And Mike Isicki would start to lose some of his value. So kind of keep your eye on that as Dolphin players start to return. We do have a question here. Dan tuning into the show. Is it time to dump AP? Uh, no. We are going to talk about that game later, so I'll get into a little more specifics as to why you are not dumping AP after this week. Because although the stat line, of course, wasn't good, the there is a trend there that is promising and heading in the right direction. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. 
That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. Some of the Jets side of the ball. We got to talk about the emergence of Elijah Moore. Now, I wasn't big on Elijah Moore. I hadn't put him on my waiver wire report yet the past couple of weeks, even though he had touchdowns last couple of weeks in a row. The reason being those touchdowns came in garbage time and outside of those touchdowns wasn't that involved in the offense throughout the game with, you know, Mike White being the starting quarterback. It was more like a last second touchdown at the very end. It wasn't usage that you could actually bank on and stabilize his fantasy value production. Now you can. Who would have thought it would have only taken, you know, old man Joe Flacco to get Elijah Moore put on the map here. Eight receptions, 141 yards, a touchdown, 11 targets. 11 targets. But this was the key. He played second fiddle to Corey Davis as far as snaps and routes run. And he was out there all the time. And he was heavily involved throughout this game. Now, yes, I do expect Zach Wilson to come back and play at some point this season. And based on the way he's played up until this point of the year, we'd have to expect at least that first week he comes back to it for it to negatively impact the offense. But I still believe in the talent of Zach Wilson. And I believe with Joe Flacco there, he's got a much better tutor to help him out. I think they have some things in place now, too. They, they've learned, hey, dump the ball off. Stop trying to do too much. And let's get Elijah Moore involved. Played well ahead of James Crowder as far as playing time goes. And like I said, it was right there neck and neck with Corey Davis. And he's been showing his explosiveness. And it looks like he's starting to put it together. He looks like he's setting himself up for a second half run. So I don't, I don't think this is much of a spoiler alert. But Elijah Moore is somebody we're going to talk about on the waiver wire part in tomorrow morning's show, without a doubt. Now, James Crowder also had a touchdown here, six catches, 44 yards on seven targets. I talked about that in the preview, though, going into the week. I said, look, Joe Flacco is back. When Joe Flacco last played for the Jets, he looked for James Crowder a lot. Now, he didn't necessarily have a lot of, ton of other weapons, but they definitely had a natural rapport. Now, I still wouldn't say I'm going out there. I want to go get Jamison Crowder now moving forward or anything of that notion. Again, Zach Wilson is going to come back at some point, maybe even sooner rather than later. We don't know yet. But if you're in a tight spot, you know, pick somebody up, and Flacco's the quarterback, you know he's got that rapport with Crowder. You might be able to pick, pick spot start a guy like that off the waiver wire that you don't have to spend any resources for. Outside of all that, what was going on there... You had the running back situation. Michael Carter picks up an injury. Sounds like he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. Ty Johnson's the guy you're going to want to own. Now, we'll talk about him in the waiver report tomorrow, too. But he's the guy you're going to want to own. While Tevin Coleman came in and he got most of the carries after Michael Carter went down. And he had five carries in this game. So we're not talking about a ton here, but they also didn't run the ball a lot. Five carries of Ty Johnson's one. Ty Johnson is the more involved pass catcher. And I believe if you go into a week where you know you're not going to have Michael Carter, I don't think their plan is going to be Tevin Coleman, you get 20 carries, and Ty Johnson, you only play on third down. It's not going to be Antonio Gibson versus J.D. McKissick here. They do that, Tevin Coleman won't make it four quarters through the game anyway. And I think that's the whole point there. 
So Ty Johnson's the guy you want to all moving forward. You know he's going to be more involved in the passing game, and he'll probably be about the same clip as Tevin Coleman in carries or pretty close to. And we'll wait to see when Michael Carter is able to make a return and come back. All right, so here's what I want to do. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games, of course, to recap. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, always on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. You always catch us after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the early Sunday afternoon recap for week 11. Week 11. That means we've got three games. 12, 13, 14. Three games until the playoffs start. Oh, I could taste it. I could taste it. And we're trying to get you guys better. Trying to get you guys there. Trying to tell you what to look out for and what not to overreact to as we go through this recap. I'll tell you what was really exciting this weekend, though, is seeing Cam back as a starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in this matchup. And you know what? He was pretty decent. He was pretty decent. 21 of 27, 189 yards. I think that's about the passing stat line you could hope for. Two touchdowns. I don't know if you could hope for any more than that out of Cam as far as throwing the football goes. Here's what surprised me to some degree. How quick he looked rushing the football. He ran 10 times for 46 yards. Not a huge you know, average, especially for a quarterback rushing. But they definitely game-planned a read option offense around him. And, of course, he does cam things and picks up the rushing touchdowns. So he gets three total touchdowns on the day. But when he got that rushing touchdown, especially, he looked pretty quick. He looked pretty spry. So if he's going to be able to run like that, Cam Newton, we're talking about Cam Newton as a possible top 12 quarterback from here to the rest of the year. If he's going to run, he's going to be able to run around like that. Now, keep in mind, they do have a bye week in week 13. So not this week, but next week coming up. So when you go to pick him up, and we'll, again, wait for our report. I feel like I'm giving out spoiler alerts, but we just got obvious guys we're going to have to talk about in tomorrow's show. When you go to pick him up, just keep in mind, you're probably not going to have, you're not, well, you're not 
probably. You're definitely not going to have him week 13. But he's definitely worth owning for your playoff race, especially if you're somebody who's been looking around at different quarterbacks, who's been in that bottom 8 to 12 area of your league as far as streaming quarterbacks go. Cam Newton can solve a lot of issues because of his legs and how they're going to utilize him with this offense. Speaking of this offense, Christian McCaffrey, in some ways was disappointing, and in other ways, he just shows you how good he is. Because he didn't play the snap count that I was expecting him to. Like Last week, he played, I believe it was a little under 50% or close to 50%. I was expecting this week he was going to get back up to his more normal usage, more normal playing time, I guess I should say. And it was definitely, it was about 70, 75%, but it wasn't quite, I thought it was going to get the 80, 85. Those are the 80, 85, because with Cam, Cam in and of himself kind of acts as an extra running back who gives a little bit of a break to Christian McCaffrey. Like I said, Cam ran 10 times, which is the amount of carries Christian McCaffrey got. So I didn't expect the other running backs, in particular, Amir Abdullah, to play as much as he did. Now, to that point, Chuba Hubbard only had one snap in this game. So if you've been holding Chuba Hubbard, whether you're Christian McCaffrey owner or not, as the handcuff to McCaffrey, I no longer think it's a one-for-one. One. We started to see that trend a little bit right before McCaffrey got back. They got they brought him here, Abdullah, and all of a sudden it was, Hubbard was still the main ball carrier, but Abdullah was getting more and more involved in the passing game and eventually just took it over outright. Then you had the game where they both had the same amount of carries and Abdullah was the, was the lead pass catcher. I would not be surprised that if McCaffrey goes out again, this is either a two-man committee or Ami Abdullah is now the handcuff and Chuba Hubbard is the third string running back. For whatever reason, I didn't think Chuba Hubbard did a bad job spelling in for Christian McCaffrey. The one thing that is definitely obvious, though, and this is a problem with a lot of rookie running backs, he's not good in pass protection. They don't trust him in that role, which is why I think he lost that role the second they brought Amir Abdullah. So if something would happen to Christian McCaffrey, if you're a CMC owner right now and you're looking to handcuff him, you want to handcuff him with Amir Abdullah, not Chuba Hubbard. So if you're still holding on to Hubbard, we can go ahead and hit this drop. Prepare to be flushed. Go ahead. There's no reason to own him anymore. None whatsoever. Now, DJ Moore. DJ Moore gets into the end zone. And this is what I talked about. I said, look, Cam is good enough to stabilize DJ Moore, to stop the downfall, the spiral that he was on from a fantasy perspective. He's not good enough to get DJ Moore back up to that wide receiver one status that he was facing earlier in the year that you know you all loved and enjoyed. He's not good enough to get him there. But he can Jacoby Myers him. He can give him one hell of a floor because DJ Moore is more explosive than Jacoby Myers is. He can find the end zone more often than Jacoby Myers can. He can be more of a mid-level to high-end wide receiver too. And Cam can allow him to just stabilize his fantasy value to where the point you can play him and not feel like you're, you might get dudded out and completely screwed over by him at some point. That's the good news from that front. Five catches, 50 yards, picked up the touchdown, seven targets in this game. It's always going to be Christian McCaffrey first. Who, By the way, I didn't mention his his receiving stat line. Seven catches on eight targets, 60 yards, and he had the, he had the really nice receiving touchdown, really nice throw there by Cam on that one. So McCaffrey's going to be fine. DJ Moore, I think, is going to be fine. 
Robbie Anderson, and I warned you guys all this, is still irrelevant. Okay, everybody's talking about like, oh, well, he got the touchdown, and him and Cam were talking in the press conference. Maybe there's a rapport there. Five catches, 30 yards on six targets. There's not going to be a lot of upside here with the pass catchers. Just trying to explain that to you guys. Not going to be a lot of upside. You're hoping for the floor. The floor goes to DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Nobody else. Those are the only three Panthers you want to have. Let's flip things over to the Washington side of the ball. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Taylor Heineke didn't have to throw for a lot of yards, like 16 to 22, but had three passing touchdowns in this game, getting Terry McLaurin back to looking like Terry McLaurin in this matchup. Five receptions, gets over 100 yards, gets a touchdown, seven targets. The big difference was they actually made a plan coming out of the bye week to take shots down the field, something they hadn't done a lot of over the last month, which is why we saw Terry McLaurin's value kind of start to slip. He's a really great receiver. You can feature him in any kind of way that you want to, but his big time is when you can feature him in a way where you get to take a couple shots to him throughout the game. Had a nice 39-yarder in this one. That's, but this is why McLaurin has to be a wide receiver, too. The volume's typically there. He's too good a receiver to ever have in your bench, to ever doubt having him in your lineup. And this is a tough matchup. So hopefully bigger things are to come, or at least more consistent things, I should say, are to come for Terry McLaurin here if they continue with this type of offense. Part of that is being able to take those shots off of play action. Now, I know Antonio Gibson had a fumble in this game, but physically, running the football looked pretty good. Again, tough matchup against Carolina Panthers. Teams have not been able to run on them very successfully. 19 carries for 95 yards. Five yards to carry in this game. You gotta love that. J.D. McKissick was involved. He had seven carries, 46 yards on the ground. He was actually more efficient on the ground than he normally is. One catch, four yards, two targets. He had a lot more routes run. We know what the deal is, okay? We know McKissick's going to be more involved on negative game scripts, two-minute drills, third and longs. That's just his role. Antonio Gibson's not going to become that guy we want him to be. But at least now, if he's healthy, 
he can be an effective runner. Now, I know in this game he had 95 yards. He didn't quite get the touchdown. He didn't quite get 100 yards. But 95 yards, I'll take that floor against the Carolina Panthers team because it only really gets easier after that. The only other note to really make about Washington is that they need a second pass catcher to emerge. That might happen if one of the tight ends are able to get back. We'll keep our eye on that throughout the week. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers on a roll here. They beat the Rams 31-10. to Now they beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville 30-10. to 49ers, by the way, have one of the easiest schedules the rest of the season. So when you're looking at guys like Debo, he's going to be a league winner. Ayuk could be a sneaky league winner. George Kittle is going to be fantastic. Whoever the healthy running back is, more more times than not will be great. We'll talk about Jeff Wilson here. He's a little bit disappointed, but we'll talk about him in a second. But the other key part is Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo might be a real sneaky stream the entire second half of the season. Now, didn't light it up in any capacity in this game from a fantasy standpoint. Only 176 yards, had the two passing touchdowns. Didn't have to, obviously, knowing how this game went. But they got a really nice schedule the rest of the way. But the 49ers are going to be very pivotal for fantasy football championship runs. So kind of keep that in mind. Hold on to guys like Jeff Wilson Jr. Who are going to be utilized if Elijah Mitchell misses time. Remember, even when Elijah Mitchell gets over this finger issue, then he's going to be somebody who's been dealing with injuries all throughout the year. I got another comment from Dan here asking me about Coleman, who I talked about a little bit a while ago. Dan, just to keep you up to date, no, Ty Johnson's worth the pickup, not Tevin Coleman. Uh, he's been inefficient too long. He gets hurt too easily. Ty Johnson's the pass catcher and will probably get at least 45% of the carries as well. All right, so getting back to San Francisco 49ers. Jeff Wilson was disappointing this game, although Jimmy Garoppolo should have hit him in the end zone without a doubt. So he would have had a much better fantasy day had he been able to get that touchdown reception that he should have been able to have. But 19 carries, 50 yards, yeah, you want more than that against Jacksonville. However, you hold on to him because what it showed you, he's the lead back. Now, I know you're going to look at the box score and you say, hey, Trey Sermon, he had 10 carries in this game. Most of that came in mop-up duty at the end of the fourth quarter and they're trying to run out the clock and when Jeff Wilson needed a breather here or there. He wasn't actually there to be in a committee with Jeff Wilson. So that just lets you know, if Elijah Mitchell's out, Jeff Wilson's the lead guy. Kind of like what we saw last year. When Raheem Moster was out, Jeff Wilson took over. Meaning that more times now, especially in these nice matchups, he could be an RB2. Here's what was interesting with the 49ers receiving group. Debo Samuel only had one catch for 15 yards on two targets and played less snaps and ran less routes than Brian Ayuk, who had a very nice day. Seven catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Debo Samuel, however, still finds a way to be fantasy gold because he got eight carries in this game. Eight carries for 79 yards and a touchdown score. So this is the great thing about Debo Samuel for you guys this year. Even if he's not necessarily getting it done as a wide receiver, they're using him in so many different ways. He just has this crazy floor. Debo Samuel is like Curtis Samuel if Curtis Samuel was actually good. <laughs> That's what Debo, he's actually a good version of, of Curtis Samuel, where he gets involved in all these ways. So he has this high floor fantasy-wise, but he can actually turn it into real fantasy production. And then George Kittle. Last week, we talked about how he 
He hadn't scored back-to-back weeks. Well, now he scored back-to-back-to-back weeks. This 49er offense is starting to find themselves a little bit, and all these guys are starting to come together. There's going to be some real fantasy value, like I said, down the stretch here with these matchups coming up if their identity is now going to be intact. On the Jacksonville side of the ball, I feel so bad for Trevor Lawrence. He's under duress all the time. His coaching staff does him no favors. And since DJ Chark went down, they just don't have a lot of talent to turn to at all. They just don't. And as a result, he's just having a bad rookie year. And I don't know if it gets better until Urban Meyer's out of there, but Urban Meyer's not going to get fired this season. He's owed too much money. It's not going to happen. Unless he decides he wants to leave on his own, which I think is a possibility, he ain't going anywhere. So from a fantasy perspective, what does this mean? Well, look at the wide receivers. Jamal Agnew, he's out for the year now. He had the hip injury. They put him on the IR. His season's done. This is where it's going to get interesting for LaVisca Chenault. So we thought when DJ Chark went down, hey, Marvin Jones gets a little bit of a boost because of targets. But LaVisca Chenault should be the main benefactor. Now, didn't wind up happening. Jamal Agnew took over the slot position. Well, in this game... Jamal Agnew gets goes down, gets out of the way. I was a little bit worried that they were going to turn to Tavon Austin. They didn't. Very crucial here. They turned to Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell just plays on the outside along with Marvin Jones. He's going to play on the opposite side of that, allowing LaVisca Chenault to be the slot guy. So while from a stat line, nobody was that impressive, right? Marvin Jones had four catches for 52 yards and six targets. LaVisca Chenault, five catches, 50 yards on five targets. But they came in the slot. If he's going to now take what... Let's look at what Jamal Agnew's been doing for the past month. Kind of getting utilized in the rushing game. as Pretty much as this playmaker, little gadget guy who also gets to operate in the slot so he gets a good amount of targets every single week. Well, now let's make that LaVisca Chenault, who's a much more talented player. Initially, when you guys picked him up and then were forced to drop him, I even told you to drop him at that point. Now Chenault is going to be worth what you thought he was going to be when DJ Chark got hurt. So he's going to be a real fantasy asset moving forward. And somebody else we'll talk about in more detail in tomorrow's show when we talk about the waiver wire report at 10 a.m. in the morning. So something to keep an eye on there. James Robinson, not a great day, but does get the touchdown. Just finds a way to continue being a great running back week in and week out for you. Also, another note real quick. Dan Arnold, I know he wasn't targeted at all this game. Disappointing because he's been a streaming option. I'm not going to now pivot away from Dan Arnold. He's been highly involved every single week. That's not going to just change because he had one game here where he had a tough draw and wound up not being involved. All right, more times than not, you can't find tight ends averaging seven targets to start. That's what Dan Arnold's been doing. So, I mean, he was already a guy who's a streaming option anyway, but my point is I'm not coming off of him and dumping him down in their tier because of this matchup. That's something you don't overreact to. All right, let's move into the Eagles-Saints game. Eagles, man, talk about another team who looks like they have found an identity. This is a Saints defense that no one's been able to run on very effectively this season. They did it great. Miles Sanders came back. Jordan Howard was good until he got hurt. Boston Scott had to then get more involved. And, of course, you have Jalen Hurts getting the hat trick on the ground for touchdowns. Ran the ball 18 times. 69 yards, tacked on 147 yards through the air, didn't turn it over. 
still hovering around that 50% completion mark, but that's that's Jalen Hurts. That's what he is. That's the quarterback he is. But as long as he can continue to be a playmaker, and now because the Eagles have essentially become the baby Baltimore Ravens, let's, let's be real. That's, that's what they're doing. That's the offense they're running. They've become the Baltimore Ravens. Hurts is their minimum version of Lamar Jackson. They're using Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard to what, I'll compare that more to a Gus Edwards and a J.K. Dobbins rather than the decrepit nursing home of running backs that's going on right now in Baltimore. But that's what they are. That's what they've become. Good. That's what they should be. And it's been very effective as a result. And you're loving it fantasy-wise. Usually, typically speaking, you say, okay, well, pass catcher-wise, it makes it kind of tough. And to some degree, it does. But because the targets are consolidated down to Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith, you at least know you can play them with a floor. Devonta Smith in this game, four catches, 61 yards on six targets. Some people are going to be disappointed by that because of the, the, the red-hot streak that he's been on because he's been getting these touchdowns. But I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Like, look, this is a guy going from getting double-digit targets to six targets. Six targets again in this game, three weeks in a row. So he's going to be a little bit touchdown-dependent as far as being a wide receiver too, but he has a floor because he's always going to be involved as the lead pass catcher or at least the second pass catcher to Dallas Goddard every single week. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. You just, you have to value him correctly. He's a wide receiver three who has upside if he scores. Dallas Goddard is a top 12 tight end every single week who just got paid by the way. Eight targets in this game, five catches, 62 yards. You feel good about that. You feel fine about that. You don't have to worry about anybody else. Now, let's get into the running backs, because that's the real bugaboo of this all. So, Miles Sanders fumbles the ball, gets benched for a little while, but then Jordan Howard gets hurt. Now, Howard's got a knee sprain, but it's minor. They expect him to miss week 12, but expect him to be possibly back by week 13. The only thing I'll say to that, though, is that he's going to have to need to be close to 100%, because if he's not... They have a bye week, week 14. So I don't know if they rush him back necessarily. But Howard was still very much involved and running well, by the way. He had 10 carries, 63 yards, even on his 13 snaps. He had 10 carries and 13 snaps. He was talking about being efficient while being on the field with your usage. So Sanders has to come back into the game. Whether he would have or not anyway, I'm not 100% sure. But at least rushing the football, he was effective, right? He had 16 carries, 94 yards, 5.9 yards a carry. And without Jordan Howard around, it'll probably be a split, once again, between Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Because Kenneth Gainwell, as we all saw, was the odd man out. And that's that's not going to change. So I'm not saying go out and pick up Boston Scott. If you're in a tight spot next week, you just need a plug and play. You need a running back to hold down the fork because maybe you got somebody on a bye who is injured or whatever the case may be. You can maybe think about going that route because he probably will get double-digit opportunities, most likely, because they're not just going to hand this whole thing off to Miles Sanders, especially not after the fumble. But he's still going to have his. He's still going to be capped. It's still going to be Sanders going to be the lead back, and you know unless he does something dumb once again, I would expect Kenneth Gainwell to be active, but. Because Sanders and Boston Scott can both catch the ball and Kent Gainwell's usage has gone way down, I don't see why he'd be that big of a factor. So on the Saints side of the ball, I know Taysom Hill's dealing with a foot injury. So maybe that has something to do with it now. But at this point, your team's losing. Your offense doesn't come alive until the fourth quarter when teams are playing prevent defense. That's, I mean, Trevor Simeon has looked good in the fourth quarter every single week he's been the starter. 
because they've been down and then playing teams are playing, you know, prevent defense. And then he gets to look good because they're taking care of the soft coverage. And the thing he likes to do the most is, well, throw the intermediate to short ball, which does very well against those teams because then you can kind of run and catch after the fact when you're playing against those defenses. Trevor Simeon's not good. Not going to win any games with Trevor Simeon. I don't know why they won't just go to with their identity, like the Eagles found their identity on offense. It's exactly the same offense the Saints need to be running with Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. Now, again, I don't know where he's at in the foot injury. And in this game in particular, he did not get involved. So it must be bothering him. He was there strictly to be the backup quarterback. He wasn't there to play the Taysom Hill role. But assuming he gets healthy at some point, I still believe Taysom Hill will, at some point, take over as a starting quarterback. Because they're going to have to figure something out. Now, Alvin Kamara had to miss this game. That's going to be the big storyline. From what I understand, he was a, did not practice again today. Remember, they played the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving night. So I'm leaning towards a decent chance here that you're going to have Mark Ingram as an RB2 again this week. Because while they didn't just come out and right out say it, he went from being practiced in a little capacity on Wednesday, Alvin Kamara, that is, did not practice Thursday, did not practice Friday. There was a setback there. And I don't think he's going to make it on a quick turnaround on Thursday night game. So I would expect Mark Ingram to assume his starting role. And he is getting a workhorse level workload. 16 carries, 88 yards. But the kicker being six catches, 25 yards on eight targets. He's been very involved in the passing in the past two weeks. And this is with Tony Jones Jr. back in the lineup too. He was activated, by the way. So as long as that winds up being the case, maybe he doesn't have the hugest ceiling in the world. He's not going to break one or anything like that, but he can score touchdowns and he's getting a huge workload right now. And the Saints have to turn to him because they just don't have the wide receivers to go to. It was really sad too, you know, because I was about to put Adam Troutman on as a guy that I wanted to, you know, add to my waiver wire guy I was looking out for a trend that I was seeing that I liked. And then he gets hurt. He's going to be out four to six weeks now. So now there's really no pass catchers I care about. Traquan Smith plays the most. Yeah, I don't care. Traquan Smith is just a guy. Every time you think you can trust him fantasy-wise, he duds out on you anyway. I don't want to touch pass catchers. I'll play Mark Ingram. Wake me when Taysom Hill is a starter. Wake me when Alvin Kamara comes back. Outside of that, fantasy-wise, the Saints are dead to me. Dead to me. All right, here's what I want to do. Let's get another quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got a few more games. We're going to finish off the show with our last few matchups to recap as we try to move forward and make sense of it all here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So stay tuned after this, and we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor here. Maybe. Possibly. Here we go. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders and below the waist grooming, not to mention it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. Every in-laws dream. Gift your manscape or the man in your life who needs it. Though join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscape with 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Belly of Fantasy by going to manscape.com. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find our Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Hair Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. 
Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. And, of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. You can always check us out after the episode on your favorite pod streaming app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over our Week 11 early Sunday afternoon recaps today, trying to make sense of it all, pick out the trends, what we see moving forward, and also making sure we don't overreact to everything that we come across. There's not a lot to overreact to, though, when it comes to Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns here. 13 to 10, the Browns, I guess, get the job done. If you're a Browns fan, though, you can't feel good about yourself. You got blown out last week. You can barely beat the winless Detroit Lions in this matchup. Baker Mayfield continues to look like crap. I don't know why they won't just bench it for a week and let him get healthy. I, I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right now, I do believe Case Keenan would actually be more effective moving this offense because he's actually healthy. I'm, again, I'll go back to it. I've mentioned this before, but I'm not saying Case Keenum is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, although I don't think Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback, but he is better than Case Keenum. He's too banged up right now. He's just laboring through it. Give him a week off. I know they had a bye week coming up, but I think Baker Mayfield really needs two weeks back-to-back. They would do themselves a huge favor if they just gave Baker Mayfield off this week, get the bye week, and then actually be refreshed coming back in week 14. But it doesn't look like that's what they're going to do. He was 15 of 29 this game. He had a touchdown. He had two interceptions. Looked absolutely awful. The passing game of the Browns continues to be awful. Jarvis Landry had eight targets, four receptions, 26 yards. I mean, if you played him, he saved you because he had that rushing touchdown. It was a really nice play, by the way. It was a nice little fake play. It looked like he was going to throw the ball. He actually took off. By the way, that was actually the most explosive I have seen Jarvis Landry be. Now, I know he's still dealing with that knee issue, and he's trying to get through it. He actually looked decently like he actually looked like an athlete again on that run. I haven't seen Jarvis Landry look like an athlete in over a month. But it doesn't really matter if Baker Mayfield's going to continue to play this way, this banged up, and this offense is going to be this pathetic in the passing game. Austin Hooper, I guess I'll mention the fact that he had four receptions for 53 yards and seven targets, but I don't care. I care about one thing, Cleveland. That's the running game. Nick Chubb comes in, 22 carries, 130 yards. Tax on a touchdown in the receiving game, which was nice to see. Two catches, 14 yards there. Not something you get to see very often. Dearness Johnson was only there to spell him. So I guess he was not winded from COVID-19 the way I, I was. I was just, you know, I wasn't overly concerned. It was, I still had as a top five running back going into this week. But being that after, you know, you hear comments from Aaron Rodgers, you hear comments from Devontae Adams, he's a running back. You're a little bit worried about, you know, what exactly was conditioning going to be like. And he was perfectly fine for this game. That's great news. What also could be great news for the Browns, maybe not Chubb fantasy owners, but for the Browns, it sounds like Kareem Hunt's expected to return to practice this week too. Now, of course, it doesn't mean he'll come back this week. And I tend to think since they have the bye next week, I don't see why they would bother to bring Kareem Hunt back this week. But we'll see exactly what happens moving forward. Even if that happens, I think we go back to, you could play Chubb, you could play Kareem Hunt, you can start them both. Just look at his offense. They actually really need Kareem Hunt because this entire offense has to be run by the running backs. Otherwise, there is no offense. Same thing can be said for the Lions, quite frankly. DeAndre Swift, 
was great on really minimal touches, had that great 57-yard touchdown run at the end of the game. He just finds a way to make a big play. Like DeAndre Swift, like he's the type of guy from a fantasy standpoint, you don't want to watch him the first three quarters. He's going to be in the single digits. It's not going to look pretty. Detroit Lions are going to be scoring nothing. But then come that fourth quarter, he just finds a way to make that one big play or score that garbage time touchdown to give you the nice fantasy day that you come to expect now to DeAndre Swift on a weekly basis. It just it doesn't get there till the very end after your heart's ready to break. <laughs> but 14 carries, 136 yards overall for him. Jamal Williams was back. Not fully back, though. He played minimal targets, seven carries in this game, only for 11 yards. Super inefficient. Look, when it comes to Jamal Williams, his fantasy value is only that he is the handcuff to DeAndre Swift. That's it. That's his entire fantasy value. And while he's not the explosive running back DeAndre Swift is, we do know that if he were to be the lone back back there, he would be utilized in the passing game. They would have the confidence to do that. That's where his floor would come into play. That's why he is a valuable handcuff. But he's not a standalone guy. He's not a flex player or anything like that. He is a handcuff to DeAndre Swift owner. That's it. That's all. TJ Hawkinson, you know, wasn't gaudy, but got back on track here. Six receptions, 51 yards, eight targets. Hopefully, you guys took my advice and stood fast on TJ Hawkinson and recognized he's still a top eight, top six tight end, no matter what's going on, even coming off the game where he had one target. And hopefully this game puts your mind at ease. Like, okay, no, no, no. Hawkinson's still the number one pass catcher here. And okay, we're okay as far as the tight end goes. I don't care about anybody else. Josh Reynolds actually played the most out of all the wide receivers for Detroit, but... It's neither here nor there. And it doesn't matter that Tim Boyle was a starting quarterback in this game. I mean, his look at his stat line. 15 of 23, 77 yards. How is that any different than the week before where Jared Goff went through 70 yards? It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. This is just a bad offense. It's a bad team. You like DeAndre Swift. You like the volume Hawkinson gets. That's it. Nothing else changes there. Now, this was a disappointing game. for At least for Buffalo, anyway. The Buffalo and the Colts matchup. Colts, this is a huge win for them. Tennessee loses. They go into Buffalo. Huge underdogs. Pull out the win. And not just pull out the win, but blow them out. 41-15. to 15. Now, of course. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Most of that, whether you had them or played against them, you're going to be scarred for life on this on this particular week, on this week 11 of 2021 by Jonathan Taylor and his five touchdowns and 185 yards. What a phenomenal performance. 32 carries. I think that is 
I'm not going to say it's more noteworthy than the five touchdowns. Of course it's not, but I think it's more noteworthy as far as moving forward from here, because that's a big indication. Look, the, the thing that always held Jonathan Taylor back up until this point was just that Dime Hines would be a little bit too involved or Marlon Mack or last year's Jordan Wilkins would just be a little bit too involved. That's not happening now, especially as we get closer and closer to wintertime, the cold weather. Frank Reich is opening up Jonathan Taylor more and more and more. You want to talk about league winners? That could be the league winner in 2021. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. The big key is that it's no longer just the Naeem Hines show when it comes to the passing game either. And in fact, in this game, I don't think Naeem Hines even had a target. It was Jonathan Taylor, three targets, three catches for 19 yards and a touchdown. That's what I'm talking about. He's becoming a workhorse back. He's always had the talent. And the Colts offensive line is playing a lot better. You went up against the number one defense in the NFL and dominated. You got to love it. Now, look, Jonathan Taylor blew everybody away. So I think there's it's hard to take anything else out of this game. And what I mean by that, of course, is the passing game. Carson Wentz only threw the ball 20 times, only 100 yards, a touchdown. I don't think you were streaming Carson Wentz against Buffalo anyway. But because that was so less involved, Michael Pittman, who you're probably starting because you didn't have better options, but I did make the point of saying, look, he's a wide receiver too, yes, but just lower your expectations on what his fantasy output was going to be this particular week. Had five targets, two catches, 23 yards. I still worry about Michael Pittman getting to that double-digit target consistency that he was at with a healthy T.Y. Hilton. I really do. I, I am concerned about that. Now, in this game, again, can't take anything out of it at all just because of the way this game went, the way Taylor dominated this game. But something that I'm still watching for moving forward. Now, on the Buffalo Bills side, everyone's asking the question, what the heck is wrong with the Buffalo Bills? Look, they're inconsistent. They're just inconsistent, period, with their offense. Inconsistent with the play calling. Inconsistent with, Jonathan, with, with Josh Allen, how he wants to play. He has games where he'll just come out and he'll just take what the defense gives him and, and lets his playmakers do the work for him. And he has other games like this one, although this kind of snowballed early because the Colts went up big early on, so that had a lot to do with it. But you have games like this one where he's trying to put the whole world on his shoulders, kind of like what Patrick Mahomes does when he's been struggling this year and tries to win it by himself and hit home runs all the time. And you get an inefficient offense as a result of that. That's what happened in this game. It was a juicy matchup. I had my number, as my number one quarterback on the week against the Colts at home in Buffalo. Why wouldn't you? Better days are ultimately ahead for him fantasy-wise. I'm not worried about it. 209 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions in this game. He only had 18 yards on the ground. Speaking of the ground game for Buffalo, this is interesting. So, so last week, I wasn't really buying in the Matt Breida situation too much because he really, while he was the best runner, he wasn't that involved, especially from a snap count standpoint. I know he had five carries that are seven last week. From a snap count camp standpoint, he wasn't anywhere near where Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are playing. This game, totally different story. So first of all, not only that he was the best rusher again, because he actually has speed, unlike Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss do, five carries, 51 yards, but he was right there in snaps. Devin Singletary played the most with 21, but Matt Breida had 18. Zach Moss had 16. He played more than Zach Moss did. 
So now all of a sudden, are you telling me this is going to now be a three-man committee? It looks very likely like that was go- that's going to be the case. So that's something to watch. If that's going to wind up, if that happens, and it's going to be consistently Matt Breida and Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, you want to talk about not being able to play a Buffalo Bills running back. That's what you felt great about before, but I don't even know if you can roster one unless somebody was to get injured. That's the point we're going to be at if this continues to happen. And it might because Matt Breida has looked really good, especially compared to those two over the past couple of weeks. As far as the pass game, look, it was a huge disappointment for everybody involved. The only thing you like to see is Dawson Knox had 10 targets, six receptions, 80 yards. So he has a nice game coming off the one reception, 17 yard, you know, first game back from his injury last week. I said before, Dawson Knox is a a force you reckon with. He's here to stay. I wasn't worried about that. He's going to be probably a top five, top six tight end for me more consistently than not. Better days are ever Stephon Diggs. And I don't even know if you can say better days are ever for Stephon Diggs. He still had two touchdowns in this game. Four catches, 23 yards. So from fantasy-wise, he was perfectly fine for you in a game that could not have been more wrong for the Buffalo Bills in general. So you're not worried about that. I think the key that you have to ask yourself is like, okay, where's Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley at now? Cole Beasley, look, I don't think there's any reason whatsoever to own Cole Beasley at this point, especially with Dawson Knox back in the mix and on a on a high target share and it's just a more favorite target. So Cole Beasley. Prepare to be flushed. Your services are no longer required for our fantasy football teams unless there's another injury that happens. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not quite ready to hit the dump button on Emmanuel Sanders. But he is a low-end wide receiver three. He just hasn't been very involved over the past month. And it's not like you're talking about a guy who's got huge upside every given week that makes you like, well, I still want to play him because it could just be that one play away. That's not Sanders' game. Because his offense has been widely inconsistent, his usage, or I should say his opportunities, have been wildly inconsistent. He's consistently played as the second receiver on Rouse Run snap counts, but they're just not targeting him the way they did earlier on in the season. And I don't know if you can pinpoint exactly when that's going to happen. So he's going to be a low-end wide receiver three in an offense that does have more passing volume than not. But I don't think you can just plug and play him blindly the way you were earlier on. In fact, I would try to find other options if you could, but I'm not quite at the point yet where I'm ready to drop him. Just because somebody else besides Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox is going to have to catch the ball. And I do think this Bills offense is better than what they've shown recently. Talk about a, a, a game that needed some offense. <laughs> And not that we didn't expect there wouldn't there would be anyway. But the Baltimore Ravens, Chicago Bears, Tyler Huntley comes in playing for Lamar Jackson, who just could not go six a dog. I will say on that front, though, good news. The word is that Lamar Jackson was feeling much better today, and he is going to be day to day. So there's some hope that you know he'll be doing better heading into this week. Trying to figure out exactly what this virus is that he has going on with him. They need to figure it out soon because they need him back. But Tyler Huntley was able to hold down the fort. He was able to hold down the fort. Now, you didn't get the big games out of Rashad Bateman, and I, I got to tend to think you would have lowered your expectations, maybe even found a whole other option altogether once you learned that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play, even though Marquise Brown also wasn't going to play. But what you like to see, if you're a Mark Andrews fantasy owner, is that even with Tyler Huntley out there, Eight receptions, 73 yards, 10 targets. 
And that was with Nick Boyle being back too, by the way. A concern some people had because Nick Boyle, he's the blocking tight end. I mean, Mark, he doesn't really cut into Mark Andrews's targets necessarily, but his playing time, his routes run, they can go down a little bit. So people were asking, you know, does this affect his ceiling at all? I wasn't one of those people, but this proves it doesn't. He is one of the main go-to pass catchers, especially when there's going to be no Marquise Brown out there. There's not a lot you could take out of this Baltimore Ravens offensively in general because you didn't have Lamar Jackson out there. But I will I will say this. This is a trend that I think will continue. Latavius Murray came back. Now, Latavius Murray didn't look like he was 100%, but honestly, I don't know if Latavius Murray's ever looked like he was 100% this entire year. I think his 100% is like 50% right now of Latavius Murray anyway. I don't think it matters. But Devonta Freeman was the lead back in this game. It started off as a split, and then Freeman was just the better running back. So they just went to him. He got the touchdown. He had 16 carries. Latavius Murray's 10. He played significantly more snaps. 49 yards. Latavius Murray's 32. And look, I'm not excited to play a Baltimore Ravens running back, no matter who it is. But whoever the lead one is, they're the ones that have the opportunity to score touchdowns. To just give you that really high-end RB3 floor. Because they do it pretty consistently. But it always, it's always whoever that lead back is playing time-wise. I think it's going to be Devonta Freeman until further notice. So he's the guy you want to own, not Latavius Murray. In fact, for Latavius Murray, let's go ahead and do this because he is somebody that people have been holding on to. Prepare to be flushed. I know, a real, real sorrow loss to get rid of Latavius Murray off your fantasy team. Not, not at all. And then Chicago had their own issues. Justin Fields gets a rib injury. Sounds like he's not even going to be able to play Thanksgiving. So we're going to get Andy Dalton back. I'll say this for Andy Dalton. He came in and made the passing game look alive. 11 to 23, not great there, but 200 yards, two touchdowns, hit a couple bombs, one screen to Darnell Mooney, one bomb to Marquise Goodwin. Both receivers went over 100 yards. Both receivers had a touchdown. Both receivers had a ton of targets. 16 targets for Darnell Mooney. Eight targets for Marquise Goodwin in this game. Now, Goodwin I don't care about. Even if Allen Robinson is going to be out this Thursday, which I expect he would be against Detroit, I still don't care about Marquise Goodwin. We know what he is. But Darnell Mooney, you start giving him that kind of volume with Allen Robinson out, and then Andy Dalton this week, which... Honestly, right now might be better for Mooney's value than Justin Fields is anyway. Yeah, I think Mooney's going to be a nice play here coming up uh, this upcoming week. And it's somebody you can keep playing with confidence until Al Robinson comes back into the lineup. And then you have to question exactly where their target share is at again. But that's something interesting to note moving forward, too. This is bad all around. And then, of course, in Chicago, the other thing you're worried about, David Montgomery. You know, how's he doing? He was solid in this game. Wasn't great, but 14 carries, 58 yards. He only had the one catch for nine yards, just the one target. But he's the guy. He's the workhorse guy. So as long as he keeps getting the volume, you're playing David Montgomery as a strong RB2. The real disappointment was Cole Komet. Because kind of thought, you know, the way things have been trending, he had been very involved in the offense as of late. Allen Robinson was going to be out of this game. I wasn't expecting Marquise Goodwin to kind of take that second pass catcher role. I thought that would be Cole Komet. He only wound up having one reception for 12 yards and two targets. But that's what happens when you talk about these mid-level tight end twos in this that streaming tier. It's going to happen. 
Let's move to a game that was a, a huge surprise. The Houston Texans, 22-13. to 13, They pull off the victory in a sloppy, rainy Tennessee Titan game. Now, fantasy-wise, this game was a friggin' headache. Just a friggin' headache. And earlier in the show, Dan asked me, you know, AP, is he a drop? No, he's not. The reason he's not a drop is because he played ahead of Devonta Foreman. He had more carries, he's more efficient, and he had more snaps. Now, nobody played better or did more than Dontrell Hiller did, who was, of course, filling in for Jerry McNichols, who we would suspect will be back sooner rather than later. It was not a long-term issue there with Jerry McNichols. So Dontrell Hiller not becoming a thing. But... Adrian Peterson, nine carries, 40 yards, compared to Dot Deformance, seven carries for 25 yards. Shocker. I talked about this going into the preview last week. Now, I had, I mentioned this. I said I had Dot Deformance ranked ahead of AP because I could not not acknowledge the fact that the game before he played ahead of AP. But I had a caveat. I said, look, Dot Deformance, we know what Dot Deformance is. He looks like a tremendous, freakish athlete but he's not an efficient NFL running back. He has proved that time and time and time again. He did it again this week. AP, on the other hand, looks like he's getting a little bit more efficient. Looks like he's getting his legs back under him a little bit more. Looks like he's getting a little bit stronger. I do believe Tennessee, when push comes to shove, in these important games coming up in the second half of the season during their playoff run, I do believe they're going to wind up trusting AP more than Dr. Foreman. I do believe that Adrian Peterson is going to be the back you're going to want to own at a Tennessee, assuming you want to own a Tennessee running back, because that caveat right there, look, if I can just avoid the situation altogether and not have to depend on it, that would honestly be the optimal fantasy outcome, optimal fantasy advice I could give you. But if you need a running back and you're looking at the situation and trying to figure out what's going on here, I have more confidence in AP being the more efficient back down the road than I do Dante Foreman. Because Foreman's never been able to put it together. Never. Now, what happens when you know Jerry McNichols comes back into the fold? Does he look how does he look like how Dontrell Hilder did in this game? To be seen. I mean, Tennessee's been a good team. They haven't been in too many negative game scripts. And that was a big reason why Hiller had to play the way that he did. Plus AJ Brown getting hurt. Picked up the hand injury, picked up the picked up the chest, rib injury. Good news, at least on the rib front. They had the negative uh, x-rays come back today. So looks like he didn't break anything. Still waiting for more tests to come back to determine exactly what kind of timeline they're looking at, what kind of injury they're exactly looking at. May not find that out until later on Tuesday. But that was another reason why he had to play a lot too. They They were running out of pass catchers. Marcus Johnson blew his hamstring early in that game. So Nick Westbrook-Ikeen came in, seven catches, 107 yards on eight targets. Before we start losing our minds over Nick Westbrook-Ikeen, though, I want people to keep this in mind. The last time A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, they went down that game. Westbrook-Ikeen had that big game. What happened the following week? Oh, Chester Rogers was the lead receiver. The other guys got involved. So I don't know if this is just a happenstance of both Marcus Johnson, A.J. Brown go down. Nick Westbrook-Ikeen is the next guy up as far as our position goes. But when they actually go into week with him as a starter, they look for other guys to get involved. 
So I'm saying that to say this. If A.J. Brown and Marcus Johnson both don't play, I don't think there's a Tennessee wide receiver. I, I'll rephrase that. I don't think there's a Tennessee pass catcher that you can actually trust on any level from a fantasy standpoint. Or really the whole team in together. Now they get a bye week, week 13. So they got to get through this one more week. That would be the only reason why I would still be concerned about A.J. Brown. They may you know, elect to try to wait until after that bye week to bring him back. So kind of keep your eye on that. It's all, it's all going to depend on how serious the injury is, which we don't really know yet. Good things came early on. But if he's out, I'm only going to look at Nick Westbrook Ikeen if I'm in a desperate situation on wide receiver. There should be other options to be able to go with. Because, heck, we even saw Des Fitzpatrick start to get involved here, too. But we have no idea how that's going to shake down because this happened on the fly in this game. And I don't think it shakes down exactly the same way if they're preparing for the week with Westbrook Ikeen, Des Fitzpatrick, Chester Rogers as their three main pass catchers. Now, on the Houston side of the ball, Tyrod was the man. He had the two rushing touchdowns. Good for him. Running back-wise, Burkhead had 18 carries for a whopping 40 yards. David Johnson had 13 carries for a whopping 18 yards. I don't care. The only thing that I cared about was Brandon Cooks, who only had two receptions for 18 yards on three targets. Now, look. Houston had a ton of turnovers, or got a ton of turnovers, I should say. And this game was just downpouring rain. It was disgusting. It was nasty. So, yes, while you're disappointed because you're hoping coming out of the bye week with Tyra Taylor, especially playing better and a nice master against Tennessee, you're hoping for a decent fantasy week. But circumstances had more to do with this than it just being a flat-out dud or being something you have to worry about moving forward. I'm not worried about Cooks moving forward, at least not his volume. I'm not worried about his floor. Look, he's just he's not a high-end wide receiver, too. Most weeks, he's probably not even a mid-level wide receiver, too. But he is a sustainable, high-floor, low-end wide receiver, too, especially with Tyra Taylor as a starting quarterback. I do believe that. I don't. I know that fantasy-wise, it's been a little bit while since he's been living up to that point. But overall, that is where he is. All right, so let's get into the last game we're going to talk about for tonight. The actual shootout. That we had. It wasn't the Dallas Kansas City game. It was the Green Bay Minnesota game. How about Aaron Rodgers returning to fantasy glory with a passion after having a dud week last week? His first game back from COVID comes back with a vengeance in this game. Couldn't quite get the win, but 385 yards and four touchdowns made me look good because I thought I was crazy ranking him six because he really just, from a fantasy perspective, he just hasn't really been able to perform. But he did in this one, took advantage of that Minnesota secondary, something the Chargers were not able to do the week before, and totally lit him up. As you would suspect, Devontae Adams was a big benefactor of that. Seven receptions, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Adams finally back on the two-touchdown train. I told you guys it was going to come. There was no Adams is too good, getting too much love, getting too much looks. There's no way he's going to continue on just being touchdown barren all season long. And who knows, maybe after a performance like this, where he gets two touchdowns to take the lid off the end zone, it might start to come to pour in now. He's good enough. It might happen. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, four receptions, 123 yards, a touchdown. He had the 10 targets with Alan Lazard out. Yes, there's always a need for a second pass catcher of the Packers to step up 
and assert themselves. It never happens consistently. Not with these guys. We have seen Marquez Valdez-Scantling had these big games in the past, get everybody excited for him, pick him up, and he never does it again. Next time he does it again, it's six weeks later and he's on your bench. So this is a guy you don't overreact to. You don't go out there and just grab him for the sake of grabbing him. You don't do it. A.J. Dillon, his first start with no Aaron Jones around, he was solid. Wasn't great. Didn't win you the week, but he didn't kill you either. 11 carries, 53 yards, 6 receptions, 44 yards. That's the point you care about. The fact that he can be effective in the passing game. I do believe he gets one more start because, again, the Packers are another team that have a bye in Week 13. I the Packers, who tend to be overly cautious with their injuries anyway, I don't see a scenario, unless Aaron Jones comes out and he's just like 100% this week, I don't see a scenario in which he's back for week 12. They're going to wait until after the bye. He'll be back week 14. That I have confidence in. But I think get one more nice spot start here out of A.J. Dillon as a lead back. He'll still be considered an RB1 for me, even though he didn't have the huge performance here against Minnesota with that, with that volume, with that workload within the confines of this offense. Now I flip things over to the Minnesota side of the ball. Kirk Cousins, who did he come through? 341 yards, three touchdowns in this game, laying it up with Justin Jefferson, who had eight receptions, 169 yards, and two touchdowns on 10 targets. And Adam Thielen was able to get eight catches for 82 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. It's been a while, I feel like, since we had a game in which both these guys were the fantasy-relevant players that you tend to want them to be. Look, you're playing, you're always going to play Jefferson. You're always going to play Adam Thielen. And you're always going to play Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins depends on the matchup. For, from a fantasy standpoint, Minnesota, I mean, nothing really changes. Dalvin Cook here continues to be, you know, kind of inefficient. 3.9 yards of carry in this game, 20 carries, eight, 86 yards. Does get the touchdown, though, so you're happy about that. Three receptions, 29 yards on four targets in this matchup. He's the lead guy. Why those big plays, why the efficiency seems to be a little bit down for him overall, it's really anybody's guess. It's just kind of one of those things more than anything else. But he's still an RB1. I don't think you can complain about that McCook, especially the way RB1s have been this year. He's actually been consistent and and you know pretty much healthy. I, there's been, I know there was two games there, but he's been pretty healthy comparatively speaking to a lot of the other RB1s with the situations they've been facing so far this season. So you can't complain about that usage. I will make a quick note here. Tyler Conklin, yeah, a little bit disappointing if you picked him up and streamed him. Only three catches, 35 yards on three targets. But just keep in mind here, he's still more times than not the third pass catcher on this team. He's still more times than not has been averaging between six and seven targets this season. That is very valuable for streaming tight ends. So he's not coming off my list because of this performance here. This was just a dominant performance by Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. That's what this game came down to. That's going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're going to be back again tomorrow, 10 a.m. We're going to talk about the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and then we'll get you to the waiver wire report for week 12, your Thanksgiving week. Everybody, make sure you're checking us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show. Follow us on social media at BillyMDFM. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm Dan Mater, and we'll be seeing you guys again real soon. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.